We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Greg Olson, here to tell you about my new podcast, TE1. On the show, I had a chance to talk to my fellow tight ends who have revolutionized the position from an extra lineman to a dual-threat superstar. And just like my guests have changed the game, this year, NFLSundayTicket.tv is revolutionizing your NFL viewing experience. Stream all the live out-of-market NFL games every Sunday on your favorite devices and never miss a moment from your favorite players. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use the promo code GREG88 at checkout and get 15% off your subscription. That's NFLSundayTicket.tv and the promo code GREG88. Subscribe to TE1 and get NFLSundayTicket.tv, an unmatched dual threat. On today's episode of the Pride Podcast, we have a very special guest from ESPN and Blue Wire, Michael Rothstein. Stop somebody to talk about week two of training camp and what he's seen on the field. All on episode 120 of the Pride Podcast. <laughs> Yo, what is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Pride Podcast, episode 120 on the Blue Wire Network. This episode is going to be sponsored by DirecTV NFL Sunday Ticket, and I am your host, Tyler, joined by my two guys as usual, Malcolm and Peter, and we got a very special guest with us today, but how are you guys doing, first of all? Woo! Pretty good, man. Excited. Season's like two weeks away, so yes, I'm pretty sir. excited. And I said we have a special guest, and now that special guest is we actually have a beat reporter. So we're not just reporting on stuff we read now. We actually got a guy that has his own eyes at the facility and watching these guys live, unlike us because we don't have that luxury this year. And this guy's big time. Who are you, our special guest? Hey, what's up, y'all? Obviously, I've been on the show before. Uh, Michael Rothstein from ESPN. It's, uh, it's great. And the Michael Rothstein show. I should probably add that as we are Blue Wire podcast partners. It's great to be here again. The last time I think I was on for what, like 95, 100 minutes, it showed up in like my Skype thing. So, you know, <laughs> let's rock and roll, baby. <laughs> All right. Let's get rolling. We got a few questions for you from training camp, obviously, which we yeah. are only a couple weeks away from the season. 
And I want to talk about what happened on Tuesday at Allen Park, a very unique scene that, you know, the lines kind of started to trend. It seems like it's what's happening in sports right now from what we've seen in the NBA, some MLB games, now the NHL and WNBA. We've seen tennis, like all over sports right now. You know, we're seeing players unite to the recent tragedy of what happened in Kenosha, Wisconsin with the Jacob Blake situation. But you were actually there on Tuesday in Allen Park where the Lions kind of started to trend. Um, what was the vibe there? How, how was it there? Like, like describe the moment on Tuesday. Yeah, so I would start by saying this. It was – I've been covering the Lions for eight years. I've been doing this for, I think, 20, if you include college, something like that. That was one of the probably five most – and maybe there's recency bias in this, right? But – Five most memorable days, I would probably say, I've had of my career. And I, I really feel like it's one that will stick with me for a while. I would say my eight years covering the Lions, as far as events or happenings go, maybe not stories written, but events or happenings, it's, I think, the most important. And it was, I can't even put it into words well. So the day started like any other Lions day. In uh, I left my apartment at, I don't know, 8.45, something like that. Matt Patricia usually talks at 9.40 on a Zoom call, practices at 10.30. And I, at like 9 o'clock, they sent out an email basically saying, hey, 10.10, Patricia, practice 11, I think was, or 10.45, or we can get COVID tested at 10.45 and practice at 11, something, something like that. Didn't think anything of it. Oh, they said there's been a schedule change. And if you know anything about Matt Patricia over the first couple of years of his tenure, a schedule change for Matt Patricia, especially in training camp, is about as common as like waking up in the morning and taking a shower. Like it just happens. And yeah, I didn't think anything of it. So then we get there and, and most of the reporters get to the facility probably around 10 times. 10, you know, and we're on the Zoom, we're all sitting there on the Zoom, and then we get an email based saying, hey, it's going to be 1045, uh, and then practice soon after that. Okay, or no, sorry, I take that back. I think it was, it might have been that, but then very quickly do, hey, Matt Patricia's not going to talk after practice, practice still at 11. And so we're all sitting there and doing a little bit of work. Uh, I, I picked a bad day to leave my charger for my laptop at home. <laughs> and because usually we're only the only time it's open is for like 10, 15 minutes, right? Um, while Patricia's talking, and then I come home afterwards to do work and listen to all the Zooms. Anyway, so at around 11 o'clock, the Detroit Lions beat reporter, one of, the, one of the people who works for the Lions, came out, Tim Twentyman, and he was just like, hey, I, I her practice could be later this afternoon. So then we get a text message saying, hey, practice now going to be at, I think it was 145, and Matt Patricia could be at 115. No, sorry, take it back. It was... Patricia at 1240, practice at 115. So we're all there, you know, sitting around for a few hours. And we're all outside the building because we can't go in. So we're outside for like three, four hours. I'm glad it was Tuesday instead of Wednesday or Thursday when it was super hot today or, or raining all day on Wednesday. And then at one like 1240, we're all on Zoom waiting. Again, no one's really figured out what's going on. Like all we, I was told from a source was that it wasn't COVID related, but Considering what had happened on Sunday, I was a little skeptical because they had said, oh, they had no problems with COVID, and then they were one of the teams that was affected. Long story longer, I guess. Uh, around 1 o'clock, Patricia Sells talked. We're waiting, and we got a text message from uh, Lions PR people basically saying, I'm going to be out to address you at 1.20. At 1.20, they come out, and they're like, practice canceled. The team's going to come out and address you shortly. 
And at that point, we're trying to figure out what's going on. Like, still not entirely positive. And then someone mentioned, I forget who it was, it might have been Jennifer Hammond, that said, I wonder if this is about Jacob Blake. And it's like, you, you start thinking, right? Your, your wheels start turning because the Lions for the last few months have been so active in talking about uh, you know social inequality and social justice and police brutality and voting rights that you know it's like well yeah maybe and then they come out around 1:30 the whole team and coaches together rolling out their dry erase board with two slogans written on it and you know and then Deron Harmon and Taylor Decker and Trey Flowers talk for about 10 minutes and you can hear the emotion the raw emotion in their voice and all of them were wearing the three of them were wearing masks while they talked as you can see in the video and you could even tell you could tell the emotion even without seeing their face right like there's like taylor decker especially you could just sense it that he was about to get choked up and then when it ended it was just silence and and quiet and players walked back in and you know, they basically we were told, hey, you know, but they're, we're going to have a few players on Zoom. And so they did that. And uh, obviously, as as it was going on live, it became a massive story. And then for the rest of the day, it became a huge story. And the players then and Matt Patricia then had said, you know, they, they football was not important today. This was and they hoped that it would maybe force people to have conversations and to, as Trey Flowers has said, just listen. And then you kind of Wednesday morning, Matt Patricia talks again, players talk again on Wednesday afternoon after practice, they practice on Wednesday. And then all of a sudden you start to see everything else that's happening in the sports world. You start to see Wednesday night, NBA, NFL teams start to say, we're not going to practice Thursday because of this. And, and the Giants, have, um, my colleague Jordan Ronan reported that one of the Giants said that they saw what the Lions did and it forced them to say, hey, we need to talk. And you obviously saw what happened on Thursday in all sports, uh, including the NFL. And, and yeah, it it was impressive. I, I don't really know the right word to describe it because I don't think any word that I can say uh, we give it the the proper weight that it should have. It, it was just, it was it was, was impressive to see, um, and it was inspiring to be there. And like I said, it was uh, you know, you're, as a reporter, you stay neutral, uh, and that's just like what you do, right? But you couldn't help but understand the gravity of the moment on a human level um, while you're standing there, and how important that was, and that I mean. How often have you ever seen a team together united like that protest anything? Right. And that to me really, it was, I guess the best word for me to describe it would be, it was very powerful to, to see that in person. And it's something that I will, uh, I will never, I will not forget that day as long as, probably as long as I live. Yeah, no, it was definitely really different. And like just following with the tweets, it was powerful, like you mentioned and Peter mentioned. Yeah, powerful. I think is the word. I, I don't know how to put it in any words, but yeah, definitely, definitely powerful and, and inspiring too, man. And especially me being an African American male. I mean, seeing what they did was it was definitely inspiring. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right, let's get into the next question. So Stafford is coming off two back injuries the past two seasons. How has Stafford looked? I mean, we don't get to watch him. You're like, you get to watch him. How has he looked? What a swing yeah, of that, events. That's a rough transition. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, we're talking about something with with great, you know, great seriousness and heft to it, and then we're talking about Matthew Stafford's I'll back. Um, but you know, I, his, he looks fine. I mean, honestly, I have not thought about the injury once since the first day when I watched him, which is why actually, like, when you were asking it, I was like, oh yeah, that's right, he broke his back last year. It's not funny in any stretch of the imagination, but that's how good he's. He's looked. I would say the last couple of days, I'm not sure what day this is going to air, but as of Thursday night, the last couple of days of practice, he hasn't looked quite as sharp. But that first week, he looked like he had not missed any time. He he looked like the quarterback that we all saw in the first half of last season that was playing at a Pro Bowl level at, at worst. You know, and I think if the Lions had been better, he would have probably been in the MVP conversation. Now, I don't think he would have beating Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson's season was amazing. But I think he would have been in that conversation if the Lions were better. I have no concerns about the back at this point because we haven't seen it act up. We haven't heard about it act up. It's going to be something I think that we'll monitor. And obviously if, if Stafford ever looks really bad in a game, you'll wonder. And then obviously if he's ever limping around, you know, you'll wonder those questions, but so far, so good for the quarterback of the Lions, and uh, you know that's that's I think their key to success this year beyond a few other issues is you know keeping him healthy. I will say David Blau has had a nice camp. Chase Daniels had nice moments, but the difference between those guys and Matthew Stafford is incredibly stark, and you know that's that should be expected because I think Stafford's a top ten quarterback in the NFL. Going to like David Blau and Chase Daniels. Do you think they'll both make the roster? Or do you think it's like a competition that only one will make the roster? Well, I mean, if it's only one, it's going to be Daniel. Because they have paid Daniel enough in guaranteed money and the way the contract is structured that there's virtually no way he's not going to be on the roster. Even though if the Lions really wanted to, they could move on from him. But I, I can't. I, he's played well enough that you're not going to do that. And you brought in you, an experienced backup for a reason, specifically what happened last year. You brought in a better quality of a backup than what they had with Jeff Driscoll and Josh Johnson. Uh, and then obviously David Blau. I think David Blau has played his way onto the roster for multiple reasons. And listen, it's tough. I did a 50, my a 53 man roster projection that will run next week. I, I had to put that together today. And, I, one little sneak preview is I do have David Blau on the 53. Woo! And it, it's because, I, it, and it's hard because there were a couple of guys that I didn't, I felt deserved the roster spot that I had to cut uh, in doing that. But three things. One, I don't know if David Blau makes waivers, makes would make it through waivers if, if he had to go through that process right. because A, Without any tape of anything, a team like the Bears or the Packers or the Cardinals, someone in that first three weeks would want to scoop him up for intel. That's one. Two, there's enough tape out there of him that if a team doesn't love their backup quarterback situation at the moment, they may bring him in to compete or to replace. Because I thought he showed enough that he could be an NFL backup in some form or fashion. And he's, look again, look good, especially on deep balls this camp. And three... COVID, uh, you don't want to be in a position where all of a sudden on Friday night you're, you know, let's just say, let's just say, I mean, on Friday night, Stat- Matthew Stafford for week one ends up no. you know, getting testing positive. No, COVID no, no, 
But no. uh, she's like, no, but this is but this is the scenario, right? Right. Because then all of a sudden you have Chase Daniel on your roster, and you probably have a quarterback on the practice squad. If it if David Blau doesn't pass through waivers, and then end up back on your practice squad, you're having guys been in there for less than a week backing up Chase Daniel. I, I don't think that that's how you want to go into the season. And so I, I think you keep three quarterbacks because of that, and then you know you get to week three, week four, whatever. Then maybe you can get them through that a little bit easier once once things are settled in a little bit and, you know, kind of go on from there. But I think David Blau, he's been he's had really impressive moments in this training camp where, I mean, I don't think he's starting quarterback in the league, but I can see him being a serviceable number two. He's a smart he's a smart guy. And that's half of what you want out of a number two is a guy who's going to be able to give the number one good intel on watching games. I mean, that's part of why guys like Dan Orlovsky and guys like Kellen Moore and guys. I was just about to say that. I was just about to say that. Kellen Moore. Yeah. He reminds me of Kellen Moore. Part of why he, he was there. It was, I mean, sure. He was Lenahan's guy, right? But part of it too was he was so smart and given, I remember I wrote about this thing. It was in like 14. Um, about the guys who helped prep Stafford, and it was Orlovsky, and it was Kellen, uh, and it was Callahan, and it was uh, Cooter, and and I think I, I think I talked to Caldwell for that story too. But it was all those guys, and that is their main role for the number two and number three quarterback. Everybody looks like, oh, I want the best backup that you get. Sure, that's great, but the thought is that you're never he's never going to be in the game ever. So you want the guy who's going to help your guy be the best prepared. And that's why I think you see certain quarterbacks that maybe don't have the same talent level as other quarterbacks end up in that position because maybe they kind of are more like a coach or they are thinking more in a I want to get into coaching after I'm done situation. I think in large part, I think it's why Josh Johnson has been on so many teams because he's incredibly good at that as a quarterback from a preparation standpoint. He's a good player, too, I think. But, you know, I think that's part of it, too, is he's so good at that that teams see that and they value that. And then, you know, I, but he's also bounced around a lot. I mean, listen, this is a guy that, that was able to take Madden and learn the Washington football team roster off of that and win a game. Like, <laughs> that's true. You know, I mean, like, but that that's what people, I think, need to look at when they're looking at backup quarterbacks, not necessarily like, okay, this guy is going to be – you want a guy that can get you out of a game and maybe get you through a week or two, but in 95% of the situations in the league right now, other than what, Miami, you could argue, Dallas, you know, like only a few, handful at best, uh, is that number two going to – New Orleans going to not have that same drop-off as, as the number one. Yeah, no, definitely makes sense. Um, so with the Lions, like recent workouts we've seen, we've seen um, as of Thursday we saw them work out – a veteran, Sean Kaiser. We saw them work out, I believe it was last week or two weeks ago, it was Trevor Simeon, another veteran in the league. Um, I mean, what do you have, you know, is why they would do that? Is that because of COVID maybe, just because of insurance, you know, you want? Like, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, is? you have to remember, too, that they couldn't work out anybody in the spring, which is when yeah. you don't bring in guys for workouts. They couldn't work out anybody in the summer, and they couldn't work out anybody for the first week and a half of camp, really. So... All of a sudden, yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't surprise me that you see them bring in eight, seven, six, seven, eight, whatever guys a day, right? Because you just need books on guys and you need half. Most of these guys aren't going to get signed. You're doing that. So in case 
Now, Trevor Simmons, Simeon signed with like, Tennessee, but yeah, yeah. or somewhere. Yeah, I think it was Tennessee. It but was Tennessee, yeah. like, yeah, you you want that because you know what? If someone gets hurt, say Chase Daniel gets hurt or COVID, you know, like you want to have a book on a couple of other quarterbacks. You can say, okay, we're going to bring these two guys in and we're going to sign one of them. Not, we don't know what, whether these guys are in shape or anything like that going into a season. And that's why I think you're seeing them do this at every position group. I don't read anything into them bringing in guys for workouts at this point. Yeah. Well, except for defensive linemen. I mean, because they've shown already they're, I think on the offensive line and defensive line, they're, they're willing to kind of shift around the back end of that at this point. But like if they brought in like five receivers for a workout, I wouldn't read into that at anything at all. I would read into that as like, okay, they're, they're preparing or like, Hey, maybe we really like this guy as a street free agent and maybe we'll even sign him to the practice squad. Yeah. You know, type of right. thing. If let's just say, for example, they, you know, they get through the, they, they cut guys and let's say they they sit there and they want Tom Kennedy and Victor Bolden on the practice squad. Let's just use that as an example, right? Well, let's say Victor Bolden and Tom Kennedy get claimed and all of a sudden, what are you doing at receiver? Well, you don't know what other guys have looked like, but you brought in these five guys. I'm going to sign, maybe sign one of them because at least I've seen them in a workout. So yeah. it, it could be as simple as that. So I wouldn't read right. into anything like that other than prep for the season that Bob Quinn and his pro personnel staff haven't been able to do. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so as far as the couple weeks you've seen in Allen Park, you know, who surprised you the most that, you know, you didn't expect and maybe they could land their spot on the roster? You know, we always have like that one story every year. If it's in 2016, it was Kerry Hyder, 2015, Zach Zenner. Last year, it was CJ Moore who made the team that wasn't really expected. You know, we always have that one guy. It seems You like forgot every year. about a Darius Barnes, Taylor Boggs, and uh, George <laughs> Johnson. Yeah, I, I think the biggest one that came to me was the Kerry Hyder one in 2016 because he had a he had a really good year for the Lions that year. Oh yeah, well my 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 favorite part of that Kerry Hyder story, right? So if you remember, Kerry Hyder, you know, had two straight years where he played out of his mind against the Bills in the fourth preseason game. Yeah, but the yeah. season he made the team, the season before he was up on week at week 17. But if you remember, because I I wrote I remember writing this story. And it did really well, but it was so interesting that he got fined in the third, I think it was the third, it was the second or third preseason game. He got fined something like, and this, it's been a few years, so it was like 15 or 20 grand, basically. He got fined more than the entire amount of money he would make if he got cut. So that was like fascinating to me. And so I wrote a whole story about that and like kind of the whole process. And then he went out and made the team. And then he went out in week one and had, what, two sacks? Like, I mean, it was like, it, it was a crazy story, an amazing rise of a guy who's still in the league, you know? Yeah. Realistically, had he not made the Lions that year, I don't think he's, I would be shocked if he is in the league now. Yeah, probably because not. I yeah. think he was really, I'd have to go back, like, if I remember correctly from that story, it's been a few years, like, he was content, he was trying to figure out maybe what might be next, because... That's just the reality of it, because I think he was out of practice squad eligibility or close to it. Like, And then he comes out, and now he's been in the league five years and oh. has been a productive player on multiple teams. And frankly, I think would still be in Detroit had they not ha had the coaching change, which led to a switch in defensive philosophies. So anyway, sorry. 
that's a yeah. long side <laughs> story for um for for your question, which is I would say these guys are that out of nowhere guy. And I'm gonna start at tight end with Matt Sokol. Like most people I don't think realize Matt Sokol's on the roster. <laughs> but he's MSU boy continually ended up in my notebook day after day and in the red zone, in blocking, in making a nice grab in individuals. And the Lions, more than anything else, have what I think is a wide open hole at the third tight end position behind TJ Hawkinson and Jesse James because Hunter Bryant got hurt. Isaac Nada, I have not been super impressed by him. And Matt Sokol makes plays. So if you're going to go based off of what you see in camp, I think that Matt Sokol has a shot. Now, I don't necessarily think he for sure makes the team. It's not like a lock. But if all of a sudden next Saturday, at you know, Matt Sokol's name is not among the ones that are cut by the Lions, I I would say, OK, like I am not surprised by this at all. But I think a lot of casual fans would be like, who the heck is this? <laughs> um, but very similar to Darius Barnes, you know, I mean, because that, that one I remember for me, I was actually at a going to a getting ready to go to a wedding in Cape Cod uh, of a good friend of mine. And I remember get like waiting on that and like looking and being like, wait, TJ Jones is on. I think because TJ got cut that year. Like TJ Jones is on That's this. Insane. Like this guy's Barnes. on this. And then I'm like, like looking through the roster. I'm like, he made the team. <laughs> like, wow. Because he, he hadn't stood out to me other than a few plays here and there throughout the entire camp. And that was with preseason games and the whole deal. So Matt Sokol will be one name that I would watch. Uh, and I'll give you a name on defense too, although I don't think it's as much of a surprise after the last few days. And that's Tony McRae. I think Tony McRae's done enough to really solidify a spot on the roster at this point. I would be surprised, not shocked, but I would be surprised if he didn't make the team as long as he continues his strong play because he's making plays every day. He's breaking up passes every day. The Lions need a backup slot since Jamal Agnew's over on offense now. Right. And I think McCray ends up being that guy. You know, now if they decided to keep Mike Ford or D Virgin or Daryl Roberts or, you know, I mean, I, I think they'll keep two of those right over him. It would not surprise me, but I think he's really, he has had a incredibly strong camp and I think he's, He's put, he's that guy that really has taken every advantage of every practice that he's been able to. And th- those are my two kind of like, hey, don't be shocked if you see this name type thing. Um, I would have said Tom Kennedy also, but I think that the receiver's position is, is pretty solidified at this point, unless they made a trade because of the way Jamal Agnew has looked during uh, camp so far that uh, beyond the fact that I think he's getting into being their returner because Jason Hundley's had some issues with ball security uh, on returns. Uh, I would say I really think that uh, Jamal Agnew's probably solidified himself on the roster and maybe given himself a future post Danny Amendola in the slot because I think that's how good he's looked during wow. camp. Uh, mm, okay. Post Jamal Agnew might see 150 snaps combined on offense this year, you know? Yeah, um, right. and be their returner. But it wouldn't shock me if going into 2021, if Danny Amendola didn't want to play anymore, or if there was a staff switch, right? If things don't go well, if Jamal Agnew who's, uh, ends up being in that situation. But Jamal Agnew is also going into a contract year, so if he bought, if he plays really well, the Lions, you know, the Lions or some team might have to really pay him because his return skills at the very least are incredibly valuable. Right. From tight muscles, tough workouts, signs of aging, 
and simply just making it through each and every busy day. Everyone understands what it feels like to be tense and sore, so everyone can benefit from TheraOne's CBD products. Started by Dr. Jason Worsland, TheraBody exists to provide you with the best scientifically validated natural solutions to help soothe your body and relax your mind. Use TheraOne's warming lotion in your morning routine, the cooling lotion or massage oil to recover, body balm for target relief, and sleep tensor to drift into a deep night's sleep. And now through Labor Day, Monday, September 7th, TheraOne is offering our listeners a buy one, get one free for all TheraOne products. All you have to do is go to theragun.com slash bluewire. If you don't love what you get from TheraOne, send it back for a full refund within 30 days of your purchase. This is not something TheraOne is likely to do again. Buy one, get one free at theragun.com slash bluewire, but only until Labor Day. Go right now. Go to theragun.com slash bluewire. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back to the NFL with NFLSunnyTicket.tv. You can stream every live, out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices. Plus, Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels so you never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSunnyTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Just use promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSunnyTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. And from personal experience, you know, me living in South Florida, the only way I can catch my Lions games is with the NFL Sunday Ticket. So definitely make sure you head over to NFLSunnyTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE to save 15% off your subscription. So we, we know like the defense was like probably like awful, like historically bad last year. How have they looked? And then uh, also like us three believe their biggest weakness is the front seven. Do you think they improved that? And then do you also think Detroit will somehow pressure the quarterback more this year? All right. That's a lot of questions. Um, <laughs> we'll start with the last one. Yes, I do think they'll pressure the ball more this year. I think they're going to be more aggressive. We'll start there. The front four or three. So the front whatever they use multiply because they're going they're going to end up using multiple fronts is still the biggest question. I, I still have major concern over their ability to rush the passer beyond Trey Flowers. I think defensive tackle is their weakest position. Um and and I I don't know how they fix that exactly. I mean there's there are still a few guys out there. There're going to be guys that get cut from other teams that could end up on the Lions roster. But uh, that would be a concern. I mean, I think Romeo Aquara has looked all right in camp. I think his brother, Julian Aquara, is showing flashes of potential. It's going to take a minute, but I think that right. it's there. Like, But anyone who watched him play before his injury knew that it was there because he was tra- trending to be a first-round pick. I think it's just, you know, like with anything, the speed of the next level is tough. Yeah, I, I think that that's a big, big question. I, I don't. 
I haven't been impressed by Nick Williams on the whole, um, which I, I forget when I came on with y'all last, but that I don't think should be a surprise because I, I wasn't really in love with that signing from a standpoint of, you know, he said one good year. Um, that It means one of two things, either Jonah Jackson, and we know Frank Ragnow is really, really good. Um, jo- either Jonah Jackson's way better than, than maybe you realize, or Nick Nick Williams might have some issues. My as far as getting the passer, and that's that's not a great sign. So you know, I think Kevin Strong, frankly, has been more effective. Um, but okay. not, I mean, but that's, that's <laughs> Strong, no, right, you're you're laughing, Tyler. But at the same time, right? Like we're talking the last question about surprises on the roster. Kevin Strong surprised his way to the roster last year, and showed to be mildly effective before he got hurt. And I think if he had played a full season, maybe you wouldn't laugh because, I mean, dude, they started John Atkins for six games last year. Like, and that's yeah. not a knock on John Atkins, but yeah, I, I don't think John Atkins is this great player. You know, he, he's we know, but but that's <laughs> but so that that depth at defensive tackle is is I think Disgusting. definitely a concern. Now you look at that and you say, well, they have Deshaun Hand, okay, and that. You know that's maybe your main pass rusher out of the in, out of the interior, but guess what? Guess who didn't practice on Thursday? Sean Hand. Sean Hand. You know, and and you see that, and you're like, well, okay, is this just a quick, th- you know, is this just a minor thing, or is this a start of something again? And you hope for Sean Hand's case because I think he's a very good player that it is just a minor thing because you never want to see guys hurt. So anyway, so defense. So that would be my concern. That's my that's the biggest concern, and I don't think it's close when it comes to this roster. I got you. Okay. Like at first, you said they would like push more. Are they like blitzing more in camp? I know you can't get into specifics because of the rules. I can't get into specifics, but like I said, I I feel like they will be more aggressive this year than than last year. But that's, I mean, that's also not a hard thing to do. But I, I believe that they will be, and I think some of that will come from certain situations, and others will come from just, I think, the combination of Okwara. Okwara, Okwara, and Flowers and Collins is mm. better than what they had last year, which was Flowers hurt for, you know, kind of rounding in a shape for the first quarter of the season. Okwara, Canard, and yeah, <laughs> and and <laughs> rotating cast of care of players beyond that. That was bad last year. That was really. They so were I, bad on a lot of levels, Pierre. So I, I, I got a follow-up kind of question to that. So, you know, the Lions obviously run the, the 3-4. They have the stand-up linebacker, the jack linebacker. And last year that was Devon Kennard. And you mentioned that you don't think Julian Aquara is fully there yet. And I think people expected that because, you know, of the injury he had last year. Who do you expect to be the starting jack linebacker week one? Maybe do we see multiple guys there? But what's your expectation for right now? I, th- I think you see multiple guys there. You know, I think it's going to depend on the situation. And it's going to depend on the opponent. You, 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 I think you could see Julian Aquara there without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, I think right. you could see Jamie Collins there, depending on the opponent. I think you could see, you know, Jared Davis there potentially. Not, uh, not. I saw you rolled your eyes, Pierre. <laughs> don't do that. This is a podcast. But Pierre rolled his eyes. I mean, I don't think that's going to happen very often. But you know, I would look a lot at you know a combination of Collins, Aquara, maybe even a Christian Jones. Just you know, figuring out certain ways to to maximize who they have. Sorry, podcast listeners, that was Ricky uh, <laughs> Lacroix and, and the, the bubbles came up. Um, yeah, good man. Yeah, it's uh, 
happens like once a podcast on my show. It's probably not a good thing. But I mean, it's going to be largely Okwara and and maybe Jamie Collins and maybe even a Reggie Ragland as well. Uh, I think that you know they're just they're they're still it feels like a little bit experimenting in some ways with some different situations. Uh, and and I think that's the good thing about their linebacker core is there is some diversity of position there that multiple guys Jamie Collins can play any of the spots. I think they're trying to figure out where to put Jerry Davis potentially. Uh, Reggie Ragland I think can play multiple spots potentially, and they like Christian Jones a lot. You know, I I, I know that. Listen, I don't necessarily totally get it either, but my fear, my I, I said this about Joe Dahl on my show and they say it on any show that I'm on for a significant period of time that you need Joe Dahls and Christian Joneses on your roster because if you look at any team that's successful, it's the stars, but then a lot of it is the Joe Dahls and Christian Joneses, that mid middle class of the NFL right. that ends up winning you games because they are able to fit really well into a specific role or they play above their talent level for a season. And I mean, Christian Jones is a guy that I think fits really well into the role that the Lions want him to be in. But that's, I think, a very specific lane. Um, do we have, like, anything on Austin Bryant? We haven't really seen much of him. Like, are there, are, like, expectations for him? I barely see much of him. I'm out there every day. Um, <laughs> I've seen him working out off on the side. Other than that, nah. I mean, and that's the thing, too, right? To to I think it was Tyler who asked about who – who ends up being there if Austin Bryant can get healthy that's I think where they envision him being right uh and rotating maybe with Okora yeah. uh and then you can move Jamie Collins more into that weak side spot and and have him just cover tight ends and, and cover running backs and I think ideally that's what they would like yeah. but Austin Bryant hasn't been able to be healthy and, and 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 no we don't know what's up with him Matt Patricia surprisingly will not be so gracious with that information and uh yeah i mean it's uh it's tough to say you know listen that's the that's the thing with this right austin bryant could get activated tomorrow and be fine or austin bryant could end up on pup to start the year right and 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 neither one of those situations would be shocking to me at this point yeah because he's just literally been injured since the second day of training camp last year yeah. yeah, he hasn't really, yeah. like, shown much. Like, we don't even know, like, I mean, yeah. he might not even make the roster. Like, last year because of injury. Like, would he even make the roster at this point? He hasn't really done much. Like, he's just. He will. I mean, well, that's the thing. He would in a pup situation, you know, yeah. because they can they can kick the can down the road and then theoretically IR him again if you feel yeah. he's not ready. Uh, and then you, you know, at that point you're paying him anyway. So. You see what happens in 21, and and really that's a make or break situation for him at that point. Right. Yeah. Kind of similar in some ways to Alex Carter, in that the corner, yeah, from Stanford. Alex Carter exactly never, you know, he got hurt that first year and didn't play. Then that second year he was banged up a lot, and yeah. then by year three they were trying him at safety and didn't work, and that was the end of that for Alex Carter. Yeah. Um, which was unfortunate for Alex Carter. Uh, but you know. That's that's unfortunately happens to some guys in the NFL. And and that happened in a lot. TJ Jones would be another example of that, except he ended up playing and having a couple of productive ish seasons. But that first year and a half for him was injury prone. So I think there's still time for him. 
I think the only way they would activate him is if they felt he was ready to compete on the roster and be on the roster because I don't think that they would activate him and cut him because at that point you just keep him on pup. Um, You know, because again, he's a guy that as a former fourth round pick who people just haven't seen, someone maybe takes a chance on him on the back end of the roster. If you activate him Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and brings him in and and then cuts him, whatever, whatever it might be. Right. Because maybe he doesn't slip through to practice squad. So that, that's, that would be, I think the case to keep him on pup. Unless you really feel like he's ready to com- to to contribute for you in weeks one or two. Yeah. Now, you know, if there's one bright spot in Detroit in our roster, it's definitely the future of our cornerback position because we have two young, really good guys in Amani Warrior and Jeff Okuda. Like right now, between those two, who has the upper hand starting week one against the Bears? It's funny you mention this because I was in debate with another reporter yesterday. It's like. For for your listeners who maybe listen to my show, um, back in July I had Dave Burkett on, and you know Burkett and I go back a long ways. And I had said on the podcast that I actually thought that there was a uh, there was a good chance Amani Awarie would start Week One and they would work Jeff Okuda in. And Dave disagreed with me. We almost bet lunch on it, but then I backed off of that. But I, I I said it again today. I'm like, it would not show. We're, we're 10 days in a camp, eight practices. And every day I'm watching, I see Amani Awarie out there with, with the first team more often than not. So to me, you're not, if you're Matt Patricia in the Lions, you're not messing around publicly just to, to create confusion at this point because you have, you need every rep. Like that's why right. like subterfuge this year, I think, in training camp is going to be at a minimum in a lot of ways um, because of that. So I go with what I see, which is Amani Awarie is generally running with the starters. Do I think that means he's starting week one? Not necessarily. Do I think that he gets playing time week one? I do. Uh, I think that they're taking, they're bringing Jeff Okuda along slowly, which is smart because he has gotten a ton of reps against Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones, which is really good practice. But you don't know what it's going to be like when the lights come on for him. You can predict because of the standout career he had at Ohio State. But, yeah, I, I mean, I, Matt Patricia has shown in some instances that he likes to take and bring rookies along slowly. They haven't always done that as Taylor Decker, Jared Davis were thrown in right away. But even look at TJ Hawkinson in some ways – Sure, he had the standout first game, right? But go look at, at kind of how he was used after that. It was a little, you know, a little sparingly. Then obviously got injured against Kansas City. But yeah, I mean, it would not shock me if if they don't throw Okuda out there for every snap in Week One. But it would also not surprise me if if they did because he is that good, and you you can see the day to day progress. You can see him learning every day in camp like that first few days of camp were were a bit rough on him he didn't have any standout plays he didn't really have any pass breakups individuals for him were a nightmare be, went going up against kenny galladay like it just didn't go well and then by the end of last week and i wrote about it on espn i think it was on tuesday uh that 
by the end of last week, you started to see progress. You saw an interception. Whether it counted from Matthew Stafford or not is another story, but he still, he read that right and intercepted a deep ball on Marvin Jones and he won a, he won a jump ball against Marvin Jones, which not a lot of corners do. And you see him breaking up more passes, uh, on a day to day basis. Every day, I think in the last four, days he's broken up at least one pass during practice he's starting to get more reps with the ones so to me that's a sign that he's making progress and the question is just do the lions want to put him out there every week or every down in week one because don't forget too that first four weeks of the season when it comes to receivers especially if they don't travel a corner which i don't know if they're going to this year or not uh but if they don't travel Desmond Trufant, who one would think would be the other starter, then it is t- entirely possible that a week one, ma- a, a weeks one through four matchup for Jeff Okuda on at least some downs, if not all, because if I'm a opposing coordinator, I, I want to take advantage of this, is Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas. Well, rookie, good luck. I mean, so, so like there's part of that too, right? Like you, you don't want him to go in and just get crushed the first four weeks of the year, and then he goes into a bye. Like, you don't want that because you might have crushed his confidence. And you, listen, remember Darius Slay's rookie year? He started, and then he got benched because he was not good. Right. And, you know, by the end of the year, he had learned stuff when he had to come back in when Chris Houston got hurt. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing, right? Like... You don't, you have to be, I don't think he would lack in confidence because he doesn't seem like he's wired like that, but you always have to worry about that early on with any rookie, let alone a rookie corner who hasn't had a chance to go against. Because if you think about it, if you look at, at who they would have played in the preseason, he would have had to go against some decent receivers in the preseason and mm-hmm. he just didn't get that opportunity. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my next question for you now is, um, some about the rookie class this year. So uh, we already talked about Kuda, obviously, right now. But guys like DeAndre Swift, guys like Jonah Jackson, um, we already talked about Aquara. But some guys we haven't talked about yet, the guys that they drafted. Um, what do you see the roles on their team? Do you see DeAndre Swift having a big impact right away? Um, another guy that kind of, you know, catches my eye, maybe has a, you know, get some snaps because of how thin the room is. We talked about John Penasini, and maybe he has a role on this team right away. Uh, Quintez Cephas in that wide receiver room. Where do you see like these rookies if you want to just break down each one? Yeah, sure. I mean, obviously we talked a bunch about Okuda just there. DeAndre yeah. Swift, he's going to have a role. Uh, what that role is, I think, will be largely dependent on uh, how Matt Patricia and Daryl Bevel want to bring him along and also carry on Johnson's health. Uh, I think Carrion Johnson has looked good this camp. He's actually looked really good in pass protection. Um, I, I think that he will. Di- I, I would be shocked if he's not their third down back because his skills as a receiving back are incredible for a rookie. I, it's it's like watching a shiftier version of Theo Riddick in some ways. Um, like he, I mean, he would. Maybe this is a more of a indictment on the Lions linebacking core and coverage, but he, when he was practicing, because he hasn't practiced much the last few days, routinely made the Lions linebackers look silly in individuals. Uh, like just the route. I mean, it's designed to make for the offense, you know, to win, but still like there's a difference. Like his separation is just incredible. 
Mm. I think he'll have a role, without a doubt. It's just a matter of what that role ends up being. But third down back, like if I was in a, not that we're talking fantasy, but if I was in a non-PPR league, I would probably draft on Johnson over DeAndre mm-hmm. Swift. If I was in a PPR league, I'd draft DeAndre Swift over on Johnson. I think they're both going to get the ball. They're both going to get a lot of work. But, uh, yeah, I, I just, you know, I know a couple people have written that, not locally, but, have written like, oh, DeAndre Swift's going to easily win. I'm like, no, nah, dude, Karen Johnson was SEC Offensive Player of the Year and was actually pretty good until he got hurt both years. So, plus, if you know Matt Patricia at all, you know he w- brings his running backs along slowly as, as young players and, like, basically wants to run a committee like you saw in New England and like you really saw in Seattle, except when they had Marshawn. So, both the coordinator, offensive coordinator and head coach have that philosophy. So, that's where I see DeAndre Swift. Jonah Jackson... He's just starting right guard for the Lions. Uh, and that's, you know, the, Matt Patricia's rotation, when I asked about that, uh, was not a rotation. I, I, I would be curious about Matt Patricia's definition of rotation after seeing the rotation that hasn't existed. He's been, he's been good. I, you know, I, I think his footwork's pretty good. I'm not an offensive line master by any stretch of any imagination, so it's hard for me to really dissect that, especially because hitting is what it is in camp, you know. But I think he's held his own. He's done well in individual reps. Again, going against defensive tackles, which is among the weakest possession groups that Lions have on the roster. So it's tough to truly tell. But I think he's I think he's going to be able to play. And I think the fact that he's got Frank Ragnow next to him will help. Then, let, let's see. Quintus Cephas. Uh, well, okay. Logan Stenberg, really quickly. I mean, he's a backup this year. If he's starting, that's probably not a great sign. It probably means someone got hurt. Center was an adventure for him, but last week, and he was doing that as a backup, but also he'd never really played the position before. Right. Uh, Bo Benchwall has been working as a backup center this week. Now, I don't necessarily think Bo Benchwall is going to make the team, but Jonah Jackson can play center. Kenny Wiggins, like they have a bunch of guys that can play center. Joe Dahl can play center. They have a bunch of guys that can play center in a pinch. His future is probably at guard, probably at left guard, or as the utility reserve lineman, kind of like Kenny Wiggins. Up and down for Logan Stenberg. Quintus Cephas, up until up until Thursday, I thought had a fantastic cam. He had a, a couple of really bad reps, a terrible drop on a wide open slant route from Matthew Stafford. But we've seen receivers better than Quintus Cephas drop balls from Stafford when they're first starting to play with him because of how his, the velocity he throws with. Uh, I think his blocking is decent. I think his route running is a, way better than I anticipated it being, and I think his hands drop aside. Are, are quite good. I use this comparison on my podcast, and I don't know if it's, I don't think it's a fair one, uh, just because Anquan Bolden was so good. But from a body type and the way he runs routes, he is very much a lesser version of of Anquan Bolden, which is not a knock on him because Anquan Bolden is a borderline Hall of Famer, maybe a Hall of Famer. But I, I think as far as how he plays, he can win balls in the air. He's got very strong hands. He runs routes well. I think he, I think he couldn't. And I was down. That was a draft pick. I was down on more than any draft pick they had. But I, I admit that from what I've seen so far, I might have been wrong. We'll see what happens in games. And I don't necessarily think he'll have a large role this year unless there's again an injury. Yeah. But I think in 2021, he could end up having a very large role. He could end up being your starter opposite Kenny Galladay if they don't bring back Marvin Jones. You know, depending right. what they would do in free agency in the draft. So, or your starter at slot. 
because he has that capability. So I, I think he's had a really good camp. I, I've been impressed by him. Jason Huntley, again, inconsistent. Uh, you can see the flash of speed. You can see the dynamic playmaking ability. His hands are not – are. I don't know. I, I can't tell. They don't seem great, especially on returns, which is surprising considering how good he was in college at it. But his receiving ability and his route running ability are, are special. And it's like I was talking about with Swift. If you put Huntley, who reminds me a lot of J.D. McKissick, on the field with Swift at the same time in third down line, them both up on the backfield, you all of a sudden have, you know, say you run a 2-3 two, two, or a 2-2-1, two, two, right? Like mm-hmm. you have all five guys – are very good pass catchers and very good route runners that had, I don't know how you cover that. Like someone's getting open and someone's going to, someone's going to have a really favorable one-on-one match. Uh, Jay Sean Cornell on IR. You won't see him till 2021. Uh, and can't even say I saw much out of him because it happened with day one of practice, day one or day two. Uh, and then John Penasini, it's tough as defensive lineman to tell, but it's not like he's done anything that's, that's wowed me. By any stretch of any imagination, he's gonna if he if he makes the team, and I think he will, but it, I don't think it's like this stone cold lock because I think it's gonna depend what they feel like they need out of uh, their reserve defensive lineman. But mm-hmm. if he makes the team, I think he's a depth guy all year. Wouldn't shock me if he ends up being a guy that's maybe not active for some games. But you know, I mean, that sixth round pick, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks in a lot of ways are dart throws, you know, and you you right. hope they. They make this more so even in a normal year. This year you're probably holding on to those draft picks versus an undrafted guy. But other other years, if this was a normal year, I would um I would think that their third and fourth defensive tackles might not be on the team. This year I, I don't necessarily think that will be the case just because I think it could be harder to pull that off. But yeah, I mean I and Bob Quinn's shown he has no problem cutting draft picks yeah. as rookies. Right. Like, we know that. Like, we've seen that with guys like Pat O'Connor. Um, I mean, Jimmy Landis probably would have been cut had he not gotten injured and put on injured reserve. Yeah. Um, Brad Kaya got cut. Like, he has no problem with day three, late fifth, sixth, seventh round picks kind of moving on from them if if he if they don't like what they see. Yeah. Uh, how is Danny Shelton looking? He's a large human, Pierre. He's a large human. Large human. Very large human, that Danny Shelton. Nah, yeah, he's he's looked all right. It, he's a, he's primarily a run stop a run stopper, right? So it's tough to tell in the way practices are how good a run stopper truly is going to be because of the lack of tackling that generally happens. They've been live a little bit here and there. I think Danny Shelton's really won some individual reps reps pretty well against offensive linemen, which is what I usually go on and I'll be honest with you too from our vantage point is a lot of tough a lot of times from t- when they're doing team drills it is tough to get a good perspective on what's going on in the trenches because they are generally 50 60 70 yards away because they you know if they're going away from us it, where we're sitting in an end zone so it's tough to sometimes tell how that's really going so I would put a big fat I don't know TBD on that with Danny Shelton, but I will say they need him to be quite good. That's without question. Right. I, I, I got a question because you mentioned you guys are 60, uh, 70 yards away. Uh, I brought up in our last podcast, um, <laughs> this was this was Chris Burke. He tweeted out it was Kambinda at fullback, and he said he absolutely clobbered a linebacker. He couldn't tell who it was. How loud was that noise that Kambinda made from the fullback spot? 
Or do you not know what I'm even talking about? I I I vaguely remember the rap. Okay. I don't remember like a noise. Yeah, Chris Burke referred to as clobbered him, and he couldn't tell. I mean, it is entirely <laughs> possible that clobbering happened. Yeah. Without a noise that could be heard. Because because yeah. here's the thing too. I'm trying to remember when that was. Because Cabinda's played well, man. Like like I if if you ask me today who ends up making the team, Jason Cabinda or Nick Bodden, it's Cabinda all day to me. Um, okay. And I don't think it's maybe even that close. Now I could be wrong. But I, I don't I, I think Cabinda's had a really good camp and he offers again in a COVID world versatility where you can slip him over at linebacker if all of a sudden you find out on a Friday night you've lost three. Like right. you can you can play him there. I mean that's a similar thing for Jamal Agnew too, which offers them some added versatility in corner. You know? You don't want to mm-hmm. do that, but you know that they know what they're doing. Right. Um he did that last year too. He was uh, the fullback week seventeen for yeah. Some he was yeah. exactly, yeah. which is which is actually part of the reason why I'm pretty sure that we are allowed to report it because it happened in a game before. Yeah, it did not happen at all last year. I don't know if anyone if we will be allowed to say that okay. um, based off. Of, I don't know. Like I think that I think there would need to be some clarity there. Basically, yeah, I I don't remember that exact play, but they've been playing music a decent amount at practice, so it might have happened during that when that would be drowned out by some Metallica or ACDC or, or whatever uh, the whatever the playlist has been, which has been a lot of 90s hard rock, late 80s hard rock, which I'm totally cool with. I'm all about it. You know, I, we keep joking of who the playlists that it's got to be Matt Patricia's playlist, right? Like, <laughs> um, I will say there. Uh, one day of practice had Nirva- had a good, healthy dose of like Foo Fighters and Nirvana, and I was like, "All right, like you stole my phone now." <laughs> <laughs> are, are we getting some Hell's Bells on third downs in practice? I believe Hell's Bells has been played. <laughs> um, Today, some, one of the reporters today basically said today sounded like a pregame, like, Red Wings playlist. Okay. Um, oh, okay. You know, I, I don't think it was played, but all you needed was, like, the, the Foo Fighters song, like, Hero. And, like, that would have been, like, which is a great song, by the way. I love that track. But, like, like I think that was all that was missing from today. Today is, like, pregame hockey playlist. Okay. 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 Uh, okay. So we've talked about surprises. Who are some guys that have disappointed in camp? Like you expected better, or just haven't shown up? Um, I don't know. It's it's difficult. Like Jared Davis is. I, I feel like I've been bagging on him probably too much, at least on the podcast. I mean, he is what he is, right? Like we know that yeah. at this point. Like he's not good in coverage. Still not good in coverage at all. It's been <laughs> rough. Um, but he like like I think the Lions posted something of him. He had like a bad at pass pass breakup, and like they like celebrated that on Twitter. And I was like, yeah. He also got like completely just destroyed in any sort of individual work against any running back. It didn't matter who it was. Like give him West Bo Hill. Scarborough. <laughs> what? Bo Scarborough in the past game. Practiced since the yeah, that's right. but yeah. yeah, but yeah, like Bo. I'm sure Bo would do that. Like, I think Kabinda beat somebody on the rap. I'd have to go back and look. Is that a Pittman, Lee, or Jared Davis? I think it was Pittman or Lee, though. Um, Jason Kabinda? Yeah. <laughs> he caught the ball and everything. It was, that was like, that was like my, like, oh wow, like this could work a moment. That's a good question. I mean, so Jared Davis kind of just, you know, he is what he is, and I think that they understand that. And it wouldn't shock me if Jelani Tavaya ends up taking his job at some point this season. 
Um, and it ends up being a Stephen Tulloch like situation, except Jared Davis would still talk to the media, unlike Tulloch when Tully lost it, when Tully became very situational. I've been disappointed in how I, this isn't a player, but how they've handled Tracy Walker. Uh, that's mm. been the biggest mystery to me throughout camp is why, and I've asked about it, uh, and I, I didn't totally get the answer, but why they've been running him with the second team. I think he's had a phenomenal camp. I think he's all over the ball. He's showing how well he can cover tight ends in space. And, like, why, why is he – he's your best safety, man. Like, he might be your best defensive back. Why is he not why, – why are you rolling Will Harris? So we'll see how that goes. He's worked more with the first team the last few days, so maybe it was just wanting to get Will Harris reps. But, like I said before, I, I don't think you have time to mess around this year. Uh, all that much and you kind of need your guys to get that so that would be a surprise to me i haven't been totally impressed by um halapuli vatai vatai hal vatai there we go Ooh. um i just haven't been but again it's sometimes tough to to gauge offensive linemen but he's he's had some really rough reps at times he's left practice twice due to injury not to return including today and don't know what that situation is going to be yet so that's been not a little bit underwhelmed by what I've seen from him uh, on the offensive line. Conversely, Taylor Decker's had a fantastic camp. And I mean, if, if he, if Trey Flowers is as good as some people think, then Taylor Decker has a chance to be really, really good this year because he has just completely stood him up on almost every rep they've gone against one another. It's been kind of shocking. actually. Mm. So and and I think Trey Flowers is a good player for what it's worth. I, yeah. I think Taylor Decker just might might be Definitely. finding something here, and, and that's a good thing for the Lions. So I would say Vitai and Davis, if I were to pick one from each side of the ball, the other guys that that have kind of been eh, have been players who are roster bubble guys or or long shots. So I, right. I feel bad kind of mentioning them in, in this case because I don't think that's fair to them. Yeah, you, you don't need to mention them. That's no. fair. All right, so the battle of camp. I mean, I think this is probably the one of the biggest battles everybody's been looking forward to. Yes, we're going to talk about long snappers. Awesome. <laughs> no, close. It is close. You're pretty close. You're pretty close. No, I, know, um, I know. It's I, actually, I was being facetious, although I think that long snappers, we're clearly talking about punters. So I, have, I apologize about for interrupting you, Malcolm. No, no, I, no, you're, you're fine. <laughs> I've had, had an abnormal obsession with watching punting, and I get abnormally excited seeing uh, punting. This camp, like I, 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 usually I'm like not paying attention during that, like because they've like it's been you know Prater right. Mulebach for for so long of while I've covered this team that uh, I mean this is the first time you're watching anything of substance from a, a specialist situation other than maybe some returners since the 2014 season when it was Nate Freeze versus Giorgio Tavecchio and uh, Martin May who kept Nate Freeze for the reason that he drafted him uh, yeah, instead of yeah. a better camp. But that led the like that led the Lions to getting Matt Prater, so it worked out for the Lions because oh. I do I do think that Tavecchio they probably would have stuck with. Um because I think he you know, I mean we've seen it he's been around the league, you know, like he's not a bad kicker. So punter. I can't I have no idea. I I, we, I, I said this on my show that's gonna pop on Friday. I have no clue because, like, they punted a lot. There was a heavy special teams practice on Thursday. They punted a lot. From our vantage point in an end zone, you can't tell where how far the punt went. You can't tell how it landed. 
And beyond that, you also don't know what they're working on necessarily, whether they're working on corner punts or whether they're working on certain things with punting or they're just booming it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Jack Fox has the stronger leg. I think Aaron Sipos is more accurate based off of what I've discerned. However, I don't know what any of that is going to mean. Uh, I think Fox has had more success as a holder, but it's tough to say that because we don't know how the snaps were with Steven Wordle and Dom Muehlbach. Similarly, it's impossible for me to diagnose a long snapper because that's just not something I've ever studied. But, I mean, Steven Wordle's snaps seem to be on point maybe a little bit more than Dom Muehlbach. Interesting. I think Dom Muehlbach still is their long snapper. Thank but, but if I see Steven Wordle on there uh, next Saturday, or not on the list of players cut, I, I, I would not be totally shocked because I, I just I wouldn't be at this point. And, I, I mean, listen, they brought him in for a reason, and he came here. Listen, he was the best long snapper coming out of college. And right. usually those guys figure out the situation where they can win a job pretty quickly. And Steven Wardle chose to come to the Lions. So that, to me says at the very least, even if, especially because there's going to be expanded practice squads this year, and you, I could easily see them keeping but whoever loses both of, well, maybe not Mulock, but like whoever loses the punter competition and if Wordle loses the long snapper competition, I could easily see them both ending up on the practice squad just in case, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think... If Mulebach wins the job and Wordle ends up on the practice squad, I think that very much sends a message that this is probably, like, to me, that would say, hey, Dom Mulebach, like, this guy's going to potentially be your replacement. But, I mean, listen, Do- I don't know. I mean, Dom Mulebach. You're going to make me cry, Mike. Coming back this year. Well, no, Dom Mulebach, <laughs> I think about coming back this year. Like, you know, I, I don't know. You know, I, I do wonder if they had had a better year if he would have said, you know what, I'll call it a career. Um, because his kids are older now, they're in school. He's away right. from them all all season long. He's all he. We're the same age, like at thirty nine. Like at some point, at some point, Daniel Buck's gonna walk away. And that's you know, I think. That, man. I mean, well, listen, the lion. I mean, we both know that Bob Quinn is not opposed to like figuring out a replacement because we saw it in Jimmy Landis. Yeah. That, yeah, it's first year. A <laughs> because, I mean, look, Jimmy Landis never stuck anywhere, right? Like, he's out of the league. So it just didn't work. But, yeah, I mean, I, if I'm if I'm Dom Muehlbach, I'm looking at that and saying, okay, like – and Stephen Wordle, like I said, I, I think Jimmy Landis had issues when he was snapping. Like, it did not – it was it was an adventure a little bit back mm-hmm. then. Stephen Wordle has been largely accurate from what I can tell with my very layperson's viewpoint. So – that's where I put it. And punter, I mean, so there was a at the end of practice on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday, the USA versus. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, but what was interesting to me in that right is that so much of the defense ended up picking Sipos, and so much of the offense ended up picking Fox. Now, to me, I thought that was super interesting because if I'm the defense, that that tells me that the defense maybe trusts that guy a little bit more. Now, maybe some of that was playing shtick, right? But to me, if I'm reading into that, maybe the defense trusts Sipos a little bit more to put to give them a better position because maybe they see something that, that others don't. But who knows? I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. I wish 
in hindsight, I paid more attention to where the returners had lined up. And if all the returners were with one guy saying that that guy was going to win, that to me would have told me, okay, that they think that that guy's the better punter. But I didn't, I didn't think of that at the time. <laughs> I was just shocked at what they were doing. Um, and it was entertaining, man. It, it sounded it great. Well. It sounded Aaron good. Aaron Sipos won that competition, by the way. Yeah, but no, I, mean, I, I fully expect that whatever punter I pick uh, in my 53-man roster projection will be wrong. Okay. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about the kick returning and punt returning. You kind of already alluded to this. You're saying you think it's Jamal Agnew and Jason Hundley's had problems. Like, I th- yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be – I think especially because Agnew's shown enough as a receiver. Yeah. I, where, like, they're not – like, if he was really not good as a receiver – uh, I think that it would have been a tougher – it might be a tougher call for them yeah. because they do have guys like Danny Amendola on the roster who can handle punt returns. They have other guys on the roster who can handle kick returns, even a Ty Johnson yeah. who's been back there a decent amount. Uh, and that can, they, those guys could still do that. But I think Jamal Agnew's shown enough as a, as a receiver that you want to keep him to develop him there. And, yeah, he's your returner. Yeah, you that, know? Um, that, was, that was my concern was uh, I didn't think Jamal Agnew was going to be that – like that wide receiver that we're hearing about. Like I didn't think Neither that. Did I, man. So um, I was, thinking, did I. <laughs> I was I was thinking you know maybe you know another guy could take that job maybe not as dominant as Jamal Agnew but is more versatile and more you know worth an activation on game day like a Hunley or a Ty Johnson or you know et cetera. So it, it's kind of shocked me. It kind of. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, it's entirely possible that Agnew ends up not active on game days still, and they go yeah. with somebody else as a returner. That's possible, yeah. but. From what I've seen from Agnew combined with what I've seen from Jason Huntley, I always felt like, like at the beginning of camp I said it's possible one of those two guys make the roster but not both. I think both will make the roster, but I think Agnew is the be- has shown he's the better returner at, at this point because that's the thing is Boscari is so important to Matt Patricia. We've seen it, right? Like over and over we've seen it that to me – there's no way they're going to put a punt returner out there that they think could muff a punt in the first week of the season or the second right. week of the season. Jamal Agnew can do that. We've seen it happen before. But, I th- I mean, you also know what you're getting. And this is a year where I think at the end of the day, a coaching staff and a GM across the league are going to go with, we know what we're getting more often than this guy's got, uh, to, to quote Hubie Brown, you know, upside. Like, I, I think you're going to see more proven talent versus upside when it comes to decisions that are being kept on the roster. All right. So we have these two segments. We do them every week during game week. We do them during training camp. They're called uh, Baller of the Week and the Oopsie Doopsie of the Week. Yes. So so who has been the Baller of the Week, like the MVP of the Week, and the Oopsie Doopsie, like kind of like the like the worst player out there, just has looked bad? All right. Uh, <laughs> so the Baller of the Week, I'm just going to give it to the the – the whole organization just for Tuesday. Um, I mean, that, that, that's about way more than football and way more than sports. And you, you see what has happened in the sports world over the last, again, I don't know when this is running, but on Wednesday and on Thursday at the very least. Um, and the lions, which are an organization that frankly so often have not been out in the forefront of a lot of, a lot of things to be that far out in the forefront is is admirable, and uh, so I would give it to them. I would give it to the the entire team for that, and the fact that they are you know 
you know, that, listen, Matt Patricia has has had very public issues when it comes to players, right? Like mm-hmm. Darius Slay, Quandre Diggs, Glover Quinn. Most of that stemmed from that first season when it, it did not go well for Matt Patricia on any level. You listen to players talk now, and and I feel like it's more than just lip service because they're going out of their way to say Matt Patricia was willing to open the floor to us and willing to listen. And and you hear every player say it, and it's not like right. the questions are necessarily, hey, what how what did Matt Patricia like? Yes, the questions don't even often mention Matt Patricia, and Matt Patricia is brought up as like we are appreciative of him for giving us this space to talk about these things where, I mean, that's, I, I think that that is huge as far as bonding goes for this team. And I think that that can be a really big benefit for them in season, but also just in life. And, and that's, that's the more important thing. So that would be my it's a good choice. MVP of the week is, is everybody the man. I don't know. Like, as far as like we're going again, I'm transitioning from that to like pure football, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, like D Virgin has not had a great week, but I don't want to pick on him because like I, I don't we'll necessarily think that he, you know I think he's a roster bubble guy at best. It would be mildly surprising to me to see him on the roster at this point. Last year, I thought he was a little bit of a surprise, but not a huge surprise because yeah. of special teams. I think they have more options at special teams this year at Gunner and and things like positions like that. And yeah, I mean, it's just he had a couple pass breakups, so he's done some positive things. But I've watched whenever I've watched him, it just hasn't. I don't think it's gone particularly well um, for him. But I, I hate singling a guy like that out because you know he's not a big star, he's not a big name, um, he's not a high profile guy. He's just a guy who's really trying to keep a job to help, you know, trying to just keep a job. So just I, I would say that too, especially as we get into to cuts weekend, right? And I say this every year on Twitter. Um, don't celebrate a guy getting cut. Don't, don't do that. Like these are guys, especially now, right? With, with everything going on in the country health wise with COVID and, and mental health, like these are guys who are losing their jobs. And frankly, I think even in more cases this year, you're going to see guys that maybe lose their jobs that will never play in the league again. And maybe you never even get another opportunity don't don't do that. Don't be that don't be that human being that does that because yeah, it's performance based, but also a lot of these guys didn't get the same type of opportunity to to show what they can do as in prior years um because of the COVID pandemic. So yeah, I I don't know. That that that's just that's just kind of my take, my thoughts on it is uh I, I've always been very adamant about that. Like don't don't celebrate people losing their jobs, man, like, or woman, like, wh- whoever you are, human, human to human, don't celebrate someone else losing their job. It's just, it, it, it's just, it's just not right. Like, it's tough. and it's, it's, that's, you know, I, I definitely tough. Cut, cuts day, cuts day from a coverage standpoint every year, like the draft is long, it's arduous, but cuts day is my least favorite day of the year because you're, you're calling, you know, you're doing your job. You're calling agents. You're text. You're texting with players. You're talking to other sources, trying to get information about whether a guy's lost his job or kept his job. And it's awkward and it's uncomfortable. Uh, you do. You have to do it. You know, it's part of the gig. And, and and pretty much, at least when it comes to like personnel and agents, maybe not players as much. Like they understand. Like players, I, I 
I, unless I have a really good relationship with the player, I'll less often text that player because like the whole no news is good news, no text messages is a good thing situation on cut day. Right. Um, I try to avoid doing that to players because I, again, unless I have a real relationship with them, because I just don't think that that's fair. Um, and maybe that makes me a bad reporter. I don't, I don't know, but no, man, no, you know, I, I'm just saying in general, right? Like, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a long day, but it's, it's not a fun, I mean, it's, it, it's not fun. It's, it, you know, you're, you're writing about, and people forget that too, right? Like, because just people forget that these are jobs on the line. These are jobs, like these are livelihoods of players. And in some cases, those decisions are going to be livelihoods of coaches. And it's why I, I very rarely, if ever, would ever, you know, celebrate that, especially once I started covering pro sports and really understanding it and seeing it more myself. Yeah, man. Like just, just, just don't be that person. Like don't, and, and certainly don't tweet at a player being like, I'm glad. And I've seen that happen too. And you're like, what, what, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, we yeah, we know yeah. we, we know all know. about that. We know I, all I, about that. <laughs> you have a listener base and just kind of dr- trying to drive that home, like you know, like be kind. You know, it's like yeah, that, what was the blockbuster saying? Be kind, rewind. It's like how about we just cut rewind and like just be kind and like that should be like the mantra of like life. Well, I think even from a fan perspective, I mean, I don't think it's ever a good thing to celebrate of a guy being cut i mean you watch these guys i mean you know obviously no preseason this year and you go to camp like it sucks like you know they're not going to be around and you hope they get a practice squad job at the very least or something like that so i don't think i've ever celebrated a cut you know no, Maybe well, you, a, you shouldn't i mean yeah and that's like that's the thing too right is especially because for a lot of the guys that are cut that's the last time they're ever going to do something they've worked in some cases 20 years to try and or probably not 20 but like 16 years in some cases, 17 years to try and do. And, and you don't know, you know, I remember I've talked to players too that like, they're like, I didn't know that was going to be the end. Like yeah. some players know when they're like, I'm done. Like Ray Roberts tells a great story of like how he knew he was like, I'm going to quit. I'm done. Like he, <laughs> you know, he's told it on my podcast. He's told it a couple of other places as well. Um, that like, but not every player gets to do that. Moreover, it's, the players like uh, uh, Chris Durham or um, uh, I'm trying, you know, I mean, there's so many other guys or Joseph Fourier or I'm just trying to think, you know, I mean, there's so many guys that, that you call Darius Barnes, who we were talking about, like where Bill Bentley, you know, where you get cut and you think maybe you've got another shot somewhere and it just never comes. Ryan Broyles is a good example. Like Ryan Broyles, when he basically asked for his release from the Lions, he thought he'd, Latch on somewhere else. Yeah, it never happened. Now he set himself up really well and is, you know, kicking butt in career two at, re- at real estate and investments. But he at that time didn't think that that was it. Players, because you're not thinking like that at that time, you know. And, and I think that that gets lost too. Is that because players don't necessarily? Some players know. Like I think if I think if Don Mulebach lost his job, um, I think Don Mulebach would probably know that that was probably it, right? Like maybe some team would sign him and maybe he would want to go, but maybe not. Maybe he doesn't want to do that. Like, so some guys are like that, but most aren't. Most are, you know, hoping they're going to latch on somewhere else real quick. Mike Roberts is a good example of that as yeah. well, you know? Um, and, and that's, that's just the, that's just the harsh reality of what you're going to see over the next um, two and a half weeks. 
and it's it, it, it's it's a it's, it's tough. Yeah, like you know, I mean, you 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 feel for the humanity of it. Um, you know, you do your job, you you cover it, you write about it, you analyze it, but at the end of the day, you realize what what is happening um, on a human level. Got you. Yeah. yeah so, so long story short, Divergent is the oopsie doopsie of the week. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that was. That was <laughs> no, no, you're fine. You're fine. So yeah, he had a rough, he had a rough week. I mean, it, it, yeah, we understand. I don't know if you know this, but like this year, I believe there's like six spots where like you could have vet vets on the practice squad. Yes. So like. Let's just say, like, for example, like, they, they cut, like, D-Virgin or, like, a Mike Ford or something, and they don't get claimed. Do you think they'll put them on the practice squad? I, I mean, yes, because both those guys have – if both those guys have um, special teams value, and right. Mike Ford especially, uh, I think if Mike Ford were to not make the team and no one claimed him, I think Mike Ford would be right on that practice squad and probably called up at some point um, the second there was an injury. Yeah. Because I don't think Mike Ford's a bad corner by I don't either. any stretch. I think uh, I think Tony McRae I think has had a better camp, and I look at what they've paid Daryl Roberts in signing bonus and in contract guaranteed. They've got a million, I believe, in guarantees between signing bonus and contract, and that generally means they're that that he's you're heavily considering keeping him on the roster at least. So that to me it would be a potential tiebreaker scenario. Is that, um, especially if you think you can get? Because that's the thing too. Mike Ford has more of a tie to the Lions organization than a Daryl Roberts, and Mike Ford has also been less places, so there's less coaching staff familiar with him already. But as an yes, I think you can see like an Ode Abouche. I like I think Kenny Wiggins will make the team, but like an Ode Abouche is another guy that to me is on the bubble that I could see if he cleared waivers, he's one of your veterans on that practice squad too. I would be very curious, like we were talking about Dom Mulebach, if the Lions cut Dom Mulebach and came back to him and offered him that, whether he would do it. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that question. And I don't know if he would. Because, I mean, you're making... I, I, you know, now, maybe they would say, hey, we're going to do this and still pay you what your full salary would be. And then maybe he would. But, like, for a regular practice squad salary, I don't know if that's worth it to Don Mulebach. I, I, I'm just hypothesizing here, right? Because, again, I think Don Mulebach makes a team. But, like, I think for some veterans, that's going to be the question. Do I want to do this to be on practice squad all year, potentially, or not? You know? But, yeah, I would think younger pros like a Virgin or a Mike Ford or a – I'm trying to think guys with, like – like, say they cut Ty Johnson. I, I don't think they're going to, but let's just say they did, Right. Or if they cut Bo Scarborough and they got through waivers, yeah, I think they would they would use them. Of course, they both have practice squad eligibility still, I believe. Right. Um, but like maybe like a Jeremy Davis would be another good example of a guy that they brought in that maybe they would bring back because they like him for special teams. And, or a Victor Bolden. I don't think Victor Bolden has practice squad eligibility left on the normal practice squad. So, so some guys like that I think you could see in those roles. But I think it would be a lot more younger Rose, unless there was a vet that really wanted to do it. Because if you're an older vet, I think you've got to ask yourself certain questions about certain things. You know, but maybe the, honestly, maybe a franchise tells you, hey, if you make it through and you come back, you are going to be our first call up. And we just, we'd rather have you here still instead of 
going you going home. Yeah. And maybe like, that maybe that's just what happens. It's like minor league baseball almost. In some ways in some ways I think it would be more like that system or maybe the G League system in some ways, without yeah. like being able to play games otherwise. Right. Um like I think it'll be more like the minor league system in some ways than it usually is. Yeah. Because there is some by my understanding, there is some free passage between the practice squad and the regular roster this year, especially on weekends, if COVID comes up. Right. And like money talks too. If they offer them like more than the practice squad minimum. Right. That that, that talks too, so so wait, so did we go longer than last time? Yeah, we I broke think we records. Did. Yeah, we broke <laughs> records. <laughs> uh, it's, by the way, just so on my show, the Michael Rothstein show, like lately I've been doing podcasts that are only like 18, 20 minutes long because they're just practice observations. And like, yeah, it's like then I go on other shows and I'm just like, oh, my God, I'm just going to talk forever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we appreciate you, Mike, joining us. Uh, second time, you know. So, oh yeah, uh, no, it's a pleasure. I, I'm happy to come back uh, whenever throughout the season. I'm not, as far as I know, I don't know how much we're traveling this season. So, uh, and obviously we're not at the facility every day. Yeah. So it's uh, it's a much different. It's going to be a much different year, really, starting Monday, um, when train when training camp practices are no longer fully open. Uh, uh, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how all of that goes. One thing I actually enjoy of yours is uh, before or before a game, usually you do like those Instagram lives. I enjoy those a lot. Yeah, I, I'm going to do them. I, I've been slacking this week um, and last week as train camp started in part because by the time I'm done with all the work and the podcast, it's like seven o'clock and I want to go for a walk and then it's yeah. eight o'clock and I'm like, I'm t- but I would say starting next week, I'm going to bring those back once a week either on instagram or on facebook live uh and we'll just kind of you know chat and answer whatever questions people have and we're gonna bring the mailbag back to the podcast every week uh starting next week uh and yeah you know it's uh it's gonna be fun and you know on espn i've got i've had a couple interesting stories run in the last couple weeks i've got a few more that are really i think interesting that people are going to hopefully enjoy and and I think some stuff that people really don't know anything about uh, that are running in the next few weeks that I can't talk about yet, obviously, because then people would know. But, uh, yeah, um, it's it's an interesting time finding. So it's it's a different type of job this year. Mike, um, you know, I know a lot of the listeners probably already follow you, but for the listeners that don't follow you on social media and not following your podcast, you know, plug all that stuff in there. Sure, yeah. Can follow yeah. You can read me on ESPN.com. Uh, that's that's place number one. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Mike Rothstein. You can follow me on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. I do have a TikTok account that I don't use, and I couldn't. I think it's Mike Rothstein, but I'm not even sure. Um, you dance on there, Mike? No, I definitely do not. Uh, <laughs> uh, my cousin, my 43-year-old cousin, does with his family though, and that's part of the reason why I don't go on tiktok uh for many reasons but i have it just in case players just as players start using it uh as a medium smart just, just part yes yeah, part of the drill part of the reporting drill uh and then obviously my podcast uh it's the michael rothstein show you can find it anywhere that you listen to podcasts and we're gonna get back into our usual rotation of talking and then some i haven't had a guest on in a few weeks but that's going to change next week We've got some people lined up that I'm pretty excited about. And uh, I actually think I got, I can't say who it is yet, but 
Uh, I've got somebody who I think is a. I mean, and I had Barry Sanders on uh, yeah. last month, but yes. uh, which check that episode out actually if you haven't. But I, I, I have a pretty high-profile, interesting guest that I think it's not fully for, fully agreed to yet, but might come on. I think at some point in September once the season comes on, and uh, it, it would be. It'll be a pretty interesting and possibly very different show than what I, what I've had, and I'm I'm hoping it comes through. And uh, you know, I don't know if it's going to yet, so I don't want to say who the guest is. But wait, 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 wait. You, said, you said high profile? Are they are they currently on the team now? Can you give some can you uh, give some hits? Not somebody on. <laughs> it's not. You're being a good reporter here. It is not. I would say this guest is not somebody on the Lions now, and has not been somebody on the Lions before. That's the only thing I will say. Okay. But there is a lion. There are lions ties. Nice. Okay. Okay. We'll be looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> and put it this way. I think you'll know really quickly when that guest happens who I was talking about. Okay. 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 I think Malcolm Paul is Michael Rothstein skills out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that was good, man. I... <laughs> all right, guys. On that note, I hope you guys all enjoyed. Thanks again, Mike, for joining us and uh, telling us what you saw in training camp. And maybe we'll have you on again, uh, hopefully in the near future. But on that note, hope you guys all enjoy. And I'm Tyler, and I'm signing out. Peace. All right, guys, I'm out. Peace. All right, everybody. Have a good one. Peace out. Peace. are coming back and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is finally kicking off this week so there is no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners Bet Online. Check out the odds, features, and even prop bets all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former pro players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champion Robert Horry. See what they had to say on what it will be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for your odds and up-to-date news on sports. Remember, use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.